James Dobson tells the story of a married couple both getting ready for work one morning. The wife's about to go out the door, and she asks if her husband will zip up her dress for her. Well, he thinks it's, it'd be funny to play with the zipper. Zip, 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 zip. Zipper breaks off in his hand. She's got nothing else ironed and ready to wear. She's got to throw something on. It doesn't look good. She has to rush out the door. She's late for work, and she just fumes over this all day. Well, after she comes home from work, she notices her, her husband is in the driveway under the car working on something. Only his lower half is exposed there in the driveway. And so she snickers to herself and thinks, I'll just return the favor. So she walks up to him, zip, 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 and laughs and just goes inside. Well, there standing in the kitchen is her husband <laughs> drinking a glass of water. She says, what are you doing here? He says, I live here. She says, no, you're under the car. He says, that's the neighbor. <laughs> Something was rattling around. He said, he'd take a look at it for me. Well, she's mortified. They both run out into the driveway. And y'all, the neighbor hasn't moved an inch. Because he did what anybody would have done in that scenario. He raised straight up, knocked himself out. <laughs> I don't know if that story's true. I hope it's true. Um, you know, in marriage, in marriage, it's funny. We promise to love and honor and serve each other. We promise. And yet the truth is, throughout our marriages, we, we find at times that we become competitors. We frustrate each other. We, uh, we get on each other's nerves. We let each other down. Sometimes we get perspective on those things and we can kind of laugh about them, but not always. See, in marriage, we have this unique closeness in relationship where we can really cut each other very deeply. We can, we can do say, and say things in marriage that, that give tremendous joy to our spouse, but we can also produce tremendous pain there in the quiet of our homes. And so there, it's an understatement for us to say that we need help in this area. No matter how much I esteem a couple as being wonderful and godly, they would be the first to tell me that they still need help. They need to grow. We all do. And so we as Christians have this unique privilege. We have to acknowledge that we need help. We're sinners who marry other sinners. But we have this wonderful privilege that when it comes to strengthening and encouraging and growing in our marriages, we don't simply have our intuition alone to go on. We don't just have magazine articles and self-help books. We certainly don't rest on the shifting sands of cultural opinion. We have a Bible. The Lord has spoken on this issue of marriage, and his words are every bit as true and relevant and precious to us as they ever were. Now here specifically today, we're going to look at 1 Peter chapter 3, where last week we saw this. Peter addressed wives, verses 1 through 6. Today he turns and addresses husbands, and he only gives husbands one verse. We laugh about this because it seems backward, that typically men need a lot more information and spurring on than women do. But here Peter just gives us men, he just gives us one verse, but it's a power-packed verse. There's a lot in here. Um, it will take us men a lifetime to work out what's just in this one verse. And so what I'm going to tell you up front is that Peter's going to give us men a command here that is, uh, it's not easy, but it is simple. It's very simple. And if I could boil it down to just one word, I'd say that Peter is commanding husbands to nurture our wives. That's the word I'd go with, nurture. To nurture something is not just to love it in a generic way, but you cultivate it you, um, you develop it because you want it to be great. You want that thing, or in this case, that person, to be greater because of you, because of your input and your life. 
And so we're called men to nurture our wives. And we see that again. Look at the verse, verse 3, or verse 7, chapter 3. He says, You husbands, in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way, uh, as with someone weaker since she is a woman, and show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life, so that your prayers will not be hindered. Now, we spoke at length about this last week, but Peter is writing. Uh, to men, in this case, specifically to men, who were raised in the ancient Greco-Roman culture. It was a culture that, uh, that marginalized women, that treated women as second-class citizens. Women were not given any dignity. They were considered <coughs> inferior to men. Now, that's the culture that these men grew up in. But now Peter is addressing them as Christian men and as Christian husbands. And Peter's point here is that your culture no longer calls the shots. Your culture does not make the rules and set the agenda. Jesus has come. Jesus has given us a new value system that says women are equal to men, equal in dignity, equal in worth, that, uh, that God himself esteems women as the same in dignity, and you husbands are to treat her that way. Regardless of what your culture says, regardless of the home that you were raised up in, you treat her in a new way because you've been made new. Um, this was a powerful reversal for the first husbands who would have heard this letter being read. This is not what they knew. This is not the dominant culture's view on things. And you know what? It's still a reversal for us today. Maybe not quite as dramatic, but it's still a reversal for us men. Because all men, listen, we all get married. If we get married, we do it under the assumption that, that marriage is going to go a certain way. We have this preconceived notion of what marriage is or what it ought to be. But the problem is we get that uh, notion from our culture, from entertainment, from maybe our own upbringing and the home that we were raised in. We get it from the locker room. We get it from the Internet. We get it from our own sinful nature and our own desires. And even if some of those areas were good to us, even if we grew up in a good home, we still saw dysfunction. We didn't see things lived out perfectly the way that they ought to be, and we can't help but adopt those things and bring them in to our marriage. And so God, through his word, has to recalibrate us. There's not a man in this room who would raise his hand and say, I'm the bullseye, men, just follow me on this. We need help. God speaks to us here. And so let's just see how the Lord wants to recalibrate, how he wants to shape us as husbands. He says, through Peter, he says, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way as uh, with someone weaker, a weaker vessel, he says, since she's a woman. Now, when Peter says that a woman is weaker, we spent a lot of time on this last week, he is not saying that she is inferior. That is not his point. A woman is not inferior uh, intellectually, morally, spiritually, or in any other way to a man. What he's saying here is a statement of preciousness. He's speaking of preciousness. Um, this is generally true. It's not true in every single circumstance, so don't, you know, forgive me. But generally, it's true that women are smaller and physically weaker than men. But here's the, what Peter is saying is not, she's smaller than you, end of story. He's saying, live with her in understanding that she's different from you. Live with her as unto knowledge, is the better way of saying understanding. You've got to know her and know the preciousness about her that she's not the same as you, okay? So every man, here's, here's I think this is probably true. Every guy, we stand at the altar on our wedding day and we're just sure I know this person that I'm about to marry. And you just couldn't be more wrong. 
and you only find out as you go through marriage, you can only know a fraction of this person standing across the, uh, 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 the altar from you. I mean, there's just no way. You, you, you have to live life together. You have to share a bank account together. You have to, to deal in conflict together to really become knowledgeable of a person. You don't know them until you've really spent time in living with them, and there's a, there's a sense in which we never fully know or figure out or understand each other. It's a lifelong process, and that's why Peter commands us to live with our wives. Now, he's not just saying share a house with her, okay? It's deeper than that. He's giving a present active command, live with her, That means there's something, guys, that we do with great intentionality and great care every single day. You live with her as unto knowledge, all right? Guys, are you working hard still? Are you working hard to know and understand and appreciate your wife? A lot of times we get married and we think we're done, right? And we don't have to continue to pursue. We don't have to continue... Uh, to mine for those wonderful um, diamonds and and jewels that that are in her heart. We don't have to worry about that anymore because we're married. And Peter says, no, you live with her as unto knowledge. You continue to work at it. And can I tell you practically what that means? Um, What I'm going to say, this sounds really obvious, I know. But guys, your wife is different than you. And the differences, men and women are different, and the differences are not just physiological okay? It's not just physical. She's different from you, and and really, she she couldn't be any more different, women and men. Um, And and here's some examples. When men, how how men treat other men, um, we tend to treat our wives sometimes like she's one of the guys. Uh, A man, when a man is hurting, going through something difficult, other men tend to give him this kind of advice. Man, get over it. Walk it off. Tough it out. Figure it out. Right? Because that's, that's typically how men operate. That advice doesn't work with women. It's, it's actually very demeaning to them. It doesn't value them. You're just telling them, get over how you feel. How you feel doesn't matter. You figure it out. Okay? Most women don't bear up under that very well. Okay? She's different than you. Most men, when men build friendships with each other, they do it through cutting each other down. We make fun of each other. We push each other around. That doesn't work with women. It doesn't work with your wives. You don't cut her down to build her up. You you certainly don't push her around. You don't treat her like that because she's not like that. She's somebody different. Um, When men spend time with other men, we typically do it shoulder to shoulder. We go fishing together. We go see ball games, things like that. Men typically don't get eye to eye with each other a whole lot and share their feelings. It happens, but it's not necessarily our natural bent Okay, but guys, you don't treat your wife like that. When your wife married you, she wasn't thinking about a shoulder-to-shoulder relationship. She was thinking about eye-to-eye, full face, full attention. She's not one of the guys. She's different than you, and that's why God commands us here. You live with her as unto knowledge. You've got to know her and know how she's different than you. You've got to walk over to her side on this. And so here's when 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 a um, again, I speak very generally here. Y'all go correct me at lunch together with your spouse where I'm wrong. But generally, this is true, that when a woman thinks about being loved, okay, she's thinking about a man's full attention. She's thinking about his eyes and his ears and his body language. She wants him. And typically, men struggle with that. Men are mostly, for the most part, men are not high verbal communicators, 
when the day is through, when we're, when we're tired, when we've, been, when we've been doing whatever we do throughout the day, we don't typically think about spending 45 minutes talking about how our day went. Most men. Um, most men, when his wife is sharing his, her heart with him, talking about her feelings, most men don't really understand those feelings, which is why we're prone to cut in and say, well, what are you worried about that for? That's, 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 that's crazy. Why are you, you know what? I, I don't understand. And we just solve it, you know. Here's what you ought to do. Because we, we, don't, we don't live necessarily on the same wavelength. But here's the question. Um, what's the use of saying I love my wife if I'm not willing to love her on her terms? If I'm not willing to come over to her side and love her the way she needs to and wants to be loved? And I'll admit, I, I've got a long, long way to go on this. Um, I've got a long way to go on this. But guys, I can promise you, when your wife thinks about being loved, she's thinking about your full attention. Uh, I, I heard of a wife that when her husband really wasn't paying attention, she would say, give me worth. Okay? It's not just eye contact for its own sake. It communicates value. And for most women, that by itself communicates love. And so, guys, what your wife wasn't dreaming about when she was dreaming of marriage was a guy who's listening with only half of one ear while he's doing something else, maybe looking at his phone and going, uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. Wait, what? You know, like, like how we do, guys? You've got to come over to her side. You've got to live with her as unto knowledge. And we could go on with examples here, but here's the point. Peter says you've got to daily seek to know your wife as someone who is weaker than you. And I said this a minute ago, that idea of weakness is, is meant to uh, uh, connote preciousness, okay? She's not less than you, she's more precious. And she's something that you esteem as uniquely precious. That's why you married her. She's not Tupperware, she's fine china. She's not something common. She's not like everybody else. She's uniquely yours. And you love her as someone who is precious to you and you treat her as if she's precious. And so to love your wife, guys, requires a thoughtfulness, it requires a tenderness, and a selflessness that doesn't always come naturally to us. It might have been natural to us in dating when we were pursuing her, but in marriage we lose, a lot of times we lose that pursuit and that sense of discipline, and we've got to rekindle that. And so guys, rather than take my word for it, the best thing you can do, men, is just sit her down and ask her. All right? Get, get with your wife face-to-face, no distractions, and just say, sweetie, how do you feel most loved? And let her talk. And don't bow up and make excuses. Don't throw it back at her about the things she doesn't do well. You just listen, guys. And you'll probably be surprised at the, the simplicity of her answers. That she, She's not asking the world of you. She just wants your heart, more than likely. And guys, here's the good news. Your wife has no illusions of you being perfect. But she has to know that you're pliable. She knows you'll never be perfect, but she has to know that you're willing to change. Okay? A man who bows out his chest and says, well, this is just how I am, and you're going to have to deal with it. You have now trapped that woman for a lifetime in a hurtful place because she can no longer appeal to you. And you are deaf to heaven. God can't change you either. I'm just not going to change. Your wife has to know that when you are confronted with sin or with an issue of ignorance, I just didn't know that's how she thought about love. I've got to be willing to change. She's got to know that you're that kind of man. And so this is what it means in part 
Guys, to nurture your wife. You come over to her side. You live with her as unto knowledge and you treat her with preciousness. You don't force her to conform to you. You're going to have to change. I'm not changing. You can't do that, guys. We've got to be able to flex here. And a little bit goes a long way with most women. You don't have to change everything overnight. A little bit goes a long way, usually for her. Um, So that's the first half of the verse. You, You live with her as unto knowledge, okay? You treat her as precious. You're gentle with her. You love her. Another way to love her, though, and and, uh, Peter tells us in the second half of verse 7, you see this? Very important. He says, and show her honor, guys. Show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life. And what Peter means when he says that is that your wife is equal to you in salvation. From God's perspective and on God's plane, she is your equal. God esteems her the same as you. When Jesus Christ came to the earth to bear up his cross and die for our sins. He did it for male and female alike. There is no class system with God. And the New Testament affirms this. The scripture tells us that in Christ, because of Christ, there is neither rich nor poor, there's neither slave nor free, there's neither black nor white, there's neither male nor female. For you all are one in Christ Jesus. That's how God esteems your wife. And so Peter has said, we saw this last week, he said, wives, be submissive to your own husbands. But right after that, he tells husbands, you don't subordinate that woman. It's hard for her to be submissive to a man. It's not her nature. She's a sinner just like we are. You don't make it harder, guys, than it has to be. You don't treat her as less than. You don't talk down to her. You don't say, what are you doing spending my money? Okay, we don't ever do stuff like that. You honor her as a fellow heir of the grace of life. The Apostle Paul said that just as a man nourishes and cherishes his own body, so you nourish and cherish your own wife. You treat her the way you treat yourself. And even more than that, guys, think about this. We men who have jobs, if you've got a job with a boss, and that boss is domineering and selfish and hot-tempered, if he talks down to you, if he's not considerate of you, if he blames you for things that aren't your fault, and if he takes credit for things you do well. There's not a man in this room who would sit under that and just take it. You'd be looking for a way out as fast as you could. No man wants to work for a boss like that. Well, guys, listen. Why would that not be true in our homes? That if we're called to be spiritual leaders in our homes, what kind of woman would subject herself to a domineering, thoughtless, careless man? All right? We're told to honor our wives and not just assume that. You honor her as a fellow heir of the grace of life. Now, why is that hard for men? You know, one of the reasons I think spiritual leadership is hard for us guys is because typically when we think of leadership, we're thinking of positions like boss to employee, teacher to student, coach to player, parent to child, right? Where there is a sense of subordination there. There's a a big bird and a little bird, okay, at work here, and the little one answers to the big one. And yet when we talk about marriage, when the Bible talks about marriage, it doesn't establish roles that way. There is a leadership and a submission, but it's as equals, okay? It's not, it's not do this because you're less than, do this because you're greater than. We're equals, and we're called to honor her as our equal. And so guys, how do you lead your wife? How do you lead your home in a way that honors her with equal dignity as a fellow heir of the grace of life? How do we do that? Um, we're going to cheat just a little bit on this. I mentioned the Apostle Paul a minute ago. He wrote in Ephesians chapter 5, probably the most famous 
um, highest view of marriage, maybe in the whole Bible. Uh, We're going to put it here on the screen. This is from Ephesians chapter 5. Here's how Paul frames it, okay? And so we're going to just cheat a little here and look at him for a second. He says, husbands, love your wives. Love her how? Is that just a generic love? No, he says, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her, so that he, Christ, might sanctify her, the church, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. So here's the question. Paul starts by talking about marriage, but he quickly turns to talking about Jesus. And the question is, how did Jesus love us? How did Jesus love you? The answer is simply this, that he gave himself for us. He gave himself for the church, for you and me. And in giving himself, you notice this, he didn't just give us a ticket to heaven one day. He did more than that. He made something great out of us. He gave himself for you, not just to love you, but to make you into something to nurture you. And the scripture says we are sanctified, we are cleansed, we are purified, we are glorified. God has made us something that we otherwise could never be. He's elevated us to a status that we haven't deserved or earned. That's what Christ has done. And this is the definition of leadership in marriage, that a husband leads his wife by giving of himself for her sake. We give ourselves away We sacrifice whatever it takes, our own wants, our own desires, our own needs even, if it means what's best for this woman. Guys, you have to nurture, to protect, to provide, to strengthen, to develop her. She ought to be better because of you. And see, that's a lot of guys, we don't think of marriage that way. We think about marriage as just a lot of give and take. I'll do this for you, you do this for me, right? I'll do you a favor, you return the favor, and let's just do our best to kind of keep it 50-50. And if one of us is not holding up our end of the bargain, we get upset, we get resentful, okay? But see, that's not the biblical picture of marriage. It's not just trying to keep things even 50-50. It's giving ourselves. It's a husband who says, I'm going to do what's best for my wife regardless of what it costs me, regardless of whether I get a return favor or not. That's not what I signed up for. I signed up to love her as Christ loves his church, because that's what Jesus did for me. Do you think Jesus went in 50-50 with us? You know what? That wouldn't do us a lick of good. We'd be in a lot of trouble. If Jesus said, I'll do half the work, you come on and meet me halfway. That gives no hope to sinners like me. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. All right? He didn't go halfway on us. And guys, we don't do that with our wives. It's not give and take. It's full commitment It's full sacrifice. You love her as Christ loved the church, okay? And in that way, we lead her. Now, guys, um, I don't even know where to begin applying something like this. We look, you know, there's, there's this ongoing debate in my mind as to who has it harder. Women who have to submit, men who have to love sacrificially. They're both incredibly difficult, and they're counter to our nature, and they're counter to our culture, okay? Nobody gets off easy on this. But God doesn't lower the bar for us, men. He keeps it up high. He says, you love Jesus the way Jesus loved you. You love him in a way that exemplifies that love for your wife. Now, I don't want that to overwhelm us, because it easily can. 
Rome wasn't built in a day, neither is a great marriage. Let's not get overwhelmed. Let's just kind of come back and simplify this if we can. When we talk about nurturing our wives, remember, it's not just enough for me to love her on my terms. I need to cross over the line and truly love her. Okay? And so the question is, if we start asking this question, I think it would open us up. I think it would change our marriage. How can I love her? How can I honor her? Like Jesus has loved and honored me. What if I asked myself that question every day, every day, throughout the day, and allowed God by his Holy Spirit to give me opportunity to be creative, to be thoughtful, to be sacrificial, to be loving? Not what can I get from her today, not what what do I hope she'll do for me today. How can I love and honor her the way Jesus has loved and honored me? What has Jesus done for me? He didn't leave me in my sin. He, He saved me and he's developed me. I'm something great, not by my own effort and will but because of him. And that's my role for my wife. I think if we started asking that question, we'd become better leaders in our homes. Okay? But it starts in, it starts in the heart, guys. It's got to be something that... Um, uh, I said this to wives last week. It's got to be a settled commitment of the heart. You can't do this on a whim, guys. You're not going to wake up tomorrow morning necessarily feeling like this. And so it's got to be a settled commitment of the heart that says, I'm going to live this way. I'm going to draw on the grace of God so that I can be gracious to my wife and honor her the way she's meant to be honored. It's not going to accidentally happen. It's got to be something that we decide on. I will be this way by God's grace and for her sake. Okay. And so um, we've got to start asking that question. How can I love and honor her the way Jesus has loved and honored me? And just trust that God would actually help us in this. I know he wants to. I know he will. Um, Now, let's talk a few baby steps, guys. It's never any good for somebody to give me a real big picture thing without a little bit of practicality here, okay? I could have chosen like a hundred different things to talk about. I'm just going to give us two for the sake of time. Here are some ways we can honor our wives, men, starting today, all right? So let's take some good mental notes. Ladies, don't elbow here in the next few minutes. All right, just nod and praise my name. Okay, and I, I'm gonna I'm gonna do us some good here, and I, y'all, if I would apply these things, my home would be a lot better off. Okay, this is not I'm not the bullseye. None of us are. I need this too. Two two simple things that we as men can start doing to honor our wives, guys. The first thing you need to do is praise her. Okay, praise her both privately and publicly. Praise her. Praise her name. Men, we may not always think about it this way, but there's there's a pretty good chance that your wife is swallowed up with anxiety and insecurity. A lot of people are. A lot of women are. There's a good chance that your wife is exhausted and maybe even defeated. Uh, Life has a way of doing that to us. We as husbands are not meant to contribute to that but to help be the antidote to that. And one of the ways we do it, men, is that we praise, we tell that woman how wonderful she is, and we get specific. We don't just generically say, I love you, that's wonderful, but tell her why. Why do I love you? We, we've got to do for our wives what Proverbs 31 says. It says, her children rise up and bless her, her husband also. And he praises her, saying, many daughters have done nobly, but you excel them all. Guys, when's the last time you did that for your wife? Not in a generic way, but specifically, you told her how wonderful she is. You thanked her for how wonderful she is. And guys, we, we don't get a cop out on this. If a man says, well, I, you know, I'm just not, I'm, I'm just not 
you know, a talker. I'm just not, you know, I don't really, I don't really do that kind of stuff. I don't really get emotional. I mean, she knows how I feel. I don't have to tell her how I feel. Guys, you make an exception on this one, okay? There is no excuse for this. She's got to know full face with your words that you appreciate her. There's not a, per, there's not a woman in this room that would hate this, by the way, to say no, 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 no. No, I said this last week, esteem is not a natural hormone. It's not something we naturally produce. Esteem is given to us. Men, you esteem that woman. Everybody ought to know. Your children and everybody else ought to know how you feel about her. You praise her. And then second, you can honor your wife by giving her stability and security. What does that mean? A wife cannot feel secure with a man who is unpredictable, with a man who's irresponsible with money, with a guy who who doesn't come home on time and doesn't call to explain why. A woman can't feel secure with a man who refuses to work, a man who hides his cell phone from her, a man who's still familiar with his old girlfriends and still talks about them, a guy who flirts with other women, and she's certainly not secure with a guy who watches pornography behind her back. There's a lot of things in life, guys, we can't control. The things we can control, we've got to be solid on because it means more than just our own circle, our own little life, okay? You are not, you're one flesh with another person now. And what you do and who you are affects her at the deepest level. You can't give her reason to fear and doubt. You've got to give her security. Should that ultimately come to her from God? Yes, her security should be in God. But you are the example. The example. You exemplify what it means to love her as Christ loved the church, right? You should, none of us in this room should ever worry if Jesus is going to check out on us or betray us or walk away from us. And a woman in marriage shouldn't have to worry about that from you. Don't give her reason to fear. And now, obviously, these things bless our marriages, right? This, these things contribute to the health and enjoyment of your marriage in your home, yes. But I want to tell you as we close that there's more at stake than that. Peter doesn't end with just the horizontal relationship, husband and wife. He goes a step further. You notice there's a little phrase at the end of verse 7, if you look at it. At the end of verse 7, Peter has said, Honor your wives as fellow heirs of the grace of life, so that, he says, your prayers will not be hindered. Now, what does that mean? Um, When we refuse to honor our wives, we lose fellowship with God. There's a, the, the, uh, the valve gets shut off, in a sense. That God doesn't honor a man who dishonors his own wife. Um, God is not going to set his favor on a man who takes his wife for granted. Or let me state it positively like this. God cares more about the health and wholeness of your marriage than you do. And that should be a, a, a blessing to us to consider. This isn't just horizontal. This is vertical. God cares more about the health and wholeness of your marriage than, than you do. He's in this with us. He's in your corner. He wants something good to come out of this. And so when we mistreat our wives, when we take them for granted, God closes off the valve. He says, I'm not going to honor you. You're going to feel the pain and the weight of this because this is the most precious relationship you're given. This is covenant love. All right? Guys, we've got, this is serious business. And so I'm going to close real quickly. I'm going to give a word to wives and a word to husbands here, okay? Wives, I haven't really spoken to y'all much today, so let me just say, you, y'all probably married us 
under the assumption that all the things I've been talking about would be a given. Uh, or at least you thought, I'll change him. I'm going to marry him. And some of these unsavory things, you know, I can change him. And, and see what you got instead was what you got instead. All right, you got us. And we struggle. Guys, we struggle. Uh, and I, I don't say this because it's right. It's not right, but it's true. A lot of times, ladies, we men don't change not because we don't want to change, not because we don't love you. We're afraid to fail. We're afraid to even try to be better because we're afraid we're going to fall on our face. Okay? And I say that to say, we need your grace in this. And ladies, if your husband this week, I hope he will, if he makes, this, if he makes a little attempt to, to honor you, to know you, to listen to you, to serve you this week, don't nitpick if, it wasn't, if it's a Dr. Pepper, not a diet Dr. Pepper, you just go with it, all right? Don't say to him, well, it's about time. You know, don't know. Just listen, just love him and be gracious to him and thank him for trying, all right? I said, guys, a little bit goes a long way. Ladies, if we make an effort, okay, just, just bring us in close and thank us because uh, it's, it's harder than you might think it is a lot of times for us men. We need help from God. We need your help, too. Uh, ladies, I, I don't know if you ever thought about this. If your husband does something good, tell him very specifically that it was good. Say, I liked that. Do that again. That was wonderful. We'll write it down. All right? Sometimes we men, we just need it real, real clear and spelled out. We'll write it down. We'll make sure to do it again. Sometimes we're not good at assuming. Just tell us. All right? Uh, and men, last thing I'll say, and really this is the most important thing. Guys, all the tips and tricks in the world are not going to change your heart. Tips and tricks for a better marriage are fine. They have their place, perhaps, but they're not going to change a man's heart. My heart will only change by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the only one that can do this, truly, and produce a lasting change in a man's heart, okay? And so my encouragement to us is this. Let's not just resolve to try harder. I hope you will. I hope I will. We need to try harder. But trying harder, in the end, is not going to produce lasting change, and so the truth is, this comes from a heart that is devoted first to God. I said to ladies last week, wives, you've got to love God more than you love your husband because he's the one that's going to provide the type of character that your husband really needs in your marriage. And men, it's the same way. Only God's going to produce the honoring spirit, the nurturing heart, the loving hands and feet that a wife needs her husband to be. Only Jesus is going to produce that. And so our prayer has to be not that we just try a little harder this week and see how things go. Not if I try harder, maybe she'll do something back for me. No, 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 no. That I say I'm going to be devoted to her, driven by my devotion to Jesus, because he's the one who produces this. He's the one who will produce it in a lasting way. And I said this before, I'll say it again as we close. God wants this for us. We can trust that if we're willing to ask this question, how can I love her the way he's loved me? That Jesus Christ will make you the kind of husband that she was dreaming about when she said, I do. Let's pray for that. Father, we need this. Both men and women alike, we need this. And so I pray, Father God, that you would be sensitive to us uh, in our pain, in our insecurity, in our failures. Uh, if, we've, if we in this room are married then one thing is for sure that we have stubbed our toes and we have messed up countless times. We'll do it again today, I'm sure. 
And so, Father, we need your help. Father, you, you affirm for us in our own hearts this truth that you didn't just save us to get us to heaven, you saved us to make something out of us. And part of that, for most of us in this room, is that, Lord, your desire is to make a great husband out of us and a great dad, and that you want something, Lord, uh, for us that will be a blessing to our home, and, Lord, it would be an example to the world of what a marriage can be when we devote ourselves to you. And so, God, help us men where we, have, where we have failed, Father, make us to feel your forgiveness at the deepest level. And I pray, Lord, that you would grant us the grace of a forgiving wife. And God, that, that, that we would today um, not settle for a marriage of give and take. That we're not just trying to keep things even. But that we would say what we signed up to do. I'm going to love, I'm going to honor, I'm going to serve, I'm going to give my life for this wonderful, precious woman, God, that you've given me. Um, and Lord, I pray, we, we, we know, I mean, I, I'm sure every man in this room would gladly give up his life, literally, we'd jump in front of a bus to save our wives if need be, we'd all do that. But Lord, I pray that even, I pray that in the much smaller things, that we'd become loving in those things, that we'd, that we'd listen, that we'd encourage, that we'd affirm, that we would serve, that we would help her. The little things, Father, that, uh, that communicate love, not just the big things. And Father, would you remind us that, uh, that this comes from Christ? Uh, our wives will not always deserve this kind of treatment, and we don't deserve it either. And so we've got to, we've got to root this in Jesus. Father, would you help us in this? That when we look at our wives, Father, that we, we see the responsibility of being like a mirror of Christ, that she can look at us and see um, you, that when we love her, she feels loved by you because this is, this is the greatest picture of love that you've given to us. Um, it's marriage. And Lord, give us joy in this, that when we, as we grow in this, Lord, it's, it's, not a, it's not a mechanical process. The more we grow as husbands and wives, the more fun it gets and the more um, we enjoy each other. And Lord, that's, that's just the wonderful byproduct of this. There's nothing stale or cold about this. You've called us to a delightful relationship. And I pray, Father, make it so. Um, give us all the grace we need to be changed men today. And Father, uh, I pray, Lord, that we would enjoy the blessings that come from it. Um, we ask your grace today in Jesus' name. Amen.